Bits and Books. I'm Marnie Stockman, and today we Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. So, want uh, to introduce everyone. Actually, I'll let them introduce themselves. So, Brene Brown's book, um, Brave Work, Tough Conversations, Whole Hearts, uh, and one of the big questions that she asks in her trainings around daring to lead is to answer the question for yourself, vulnerability is fill in the blank. So as I see folks in my Zoom room, I'm going to call you in that order. So Kyle Spooner, you're going to be up first. Introduce yourself and uh, uh, tell me vulnerability it is. So my, my name is Kyle Spooner. I'm a director of operations for uh, an MSP out of Baltimore. Uh, I'm also one of the admins uh, of MSP Geek. Uh, conference plug, we have one coming up in Mega by Um So now, do you want me to answer this? Uh, based on the book or based on my personal opinion? Oh, your personal. What do you believe vulnerability is? Um, I believe vulnerability is uh, really important, but it also has its place. Um, All right. That is that is my personal opinion. Thanks, Tim. Oh, hey. Did, do I get to introduce myself too or yes, just Kyle? Me. Yeah. <laughs> you got to introduce yourself as Kyle. <laughs> All right. Uh, hi, I'm uh, formerly known as Kyle. My name is Tim Golden, uh, founder <laughs> of Compliance Scorecard and Team Tim. Um, when I think of vulnerability uh, as it relates to the book, I think about having that trusted person or trusted group of people in my life that can speak into my life or I can hear from about stuff right hey tim you're really messing up here hey tim you're doing a really good job there so that trusted group of individuals that can provide me like that open honest and timely feedback and allowing myself to be vulnerable to hear that from them I hear it nice jim smith the one that we know <laughs> uh, I'm Jim Smith. I'm still a Sagittarius. Uh, I'm the owner of uh, Proper Sky, a managed uh, IT services company outside of Philadelphia. And um, to me, I think uh, vulnerability is the key to authentic leadership, I think is probably, I think, th this book did a really good job of sort of reinforcing that concept. I think Brene did an excellent job. Uh, but I have found that um, a lot of what we'll talk about today really resonated. This, this is an excellent book, uh, and I, I really think it is the key to unlocking uh, crucial conversations inside your organization. Right? And I, I think this does a great job of talking about that. Ray, I feel like you need no introduction, but... <laughs> I'm always happy to introduce myself. Uh, Ray Rossini, founder of MSP Media Network and uh, OIT VoIP. Um, so yeah, this network that we're on, uh, putting together smart people. Um, can you reiterate the question for anybody that just might have joined? Vulnerability is. How would you fill in the blank? Vulnerability is. Vulnerability is where you feel unsure that you can protect yourself wholly, right? Whether it's uh, in communication where you feel you're at a disadvantage, uh, speaking to somebody more knowledgeable in a subject, uh, and you feel that you may lose something possibly by, uh, by um, misspeaking or Vulnerability could be as simple as putting yourself in harm's way um, or noticing that you're in harm's way or have the potential to be. It could also be a, po a promising thing, being vulnerable to someone that you love and will love you back and support you. And that could be a vendor relationship. That can be a human relationship. It could be whatever. But um, vulnerability has promise, in my opinion. Oh, I like that. Vulnerability has promise. 
Chris Dix. Will you introduce um, yeah, so I'm Chris Dix. I'm the founder and lead developer at ChatStyle, which is a uh, communications and automation tool for MSPs. And uh, yeah, for me, vulnerability is uh, scary, I guess is the best Ooh, word that pops one. into my mind when I when I try to finish that sentence. It's, uh, you know, we're, we kind of learn to build up these protective measures around ourselves and, and different situations and where we are allowed to be vulnerable as adults, as, uh, you know, friends, as, as family members, it's, it's, it's all a little scary, but necessary. And, uh, I, I really did enjoy the book, um, and the way it dealt with some of the lessons around when, uh, when vulnerability can really be an important part of leadership. Yeah. Maureen. I'm Maureen Golden. I am also a co-founder of Compliance Scorecard. And uh, when I think of vulnerability, I think of authenticity. I think somebody had said, I think um, I think that you need discernment when being vulnerable. And hmm. um, I also think it's the key to any fulfilling relationship, whether it's professional, personal, whatever. Um, and I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. So glad we're covering this book. Excellent. I am. Um, so as I said on morning, Stockman wrote, lead it like lasso. Um, when, when I first read the book and she said vulnerability is the first thing that came to mind is vulnerability is the potential to not get to play. So it kind of goes along with what Ray said. I was a major tomboy growing up. Um, and I would play boys sports instead of girls sports. And if I cried, I would not get to play. So by golly, I can take a good beating and not like, because I was constantly shocked of like, how is it Doug is laying there crying his eyes out and he still gets to play with us all the time. And I'm not allowed to at all. Um, so in the, I know that doesn't relate for many of you, but um, as a female in the IT space where I was often, to, thanks, Maureen. I'm not the only female in the room this time. Um, being too vulnerable meant I wasn't going to get to play. So I build a lot of armor, like nobody's business, and have been called out on that um, multiple times. I think I, as I get older, I got better at that. But I originally thought vulnerability meant like I might not get to do this anymore if I'm too vulnerable. So uh, Heather is joining us all the way from like way on the other side of the pond. Super excited. So Heather, I'm going to give you a little warm up of what we're doing here. And that was perfect timing because everybody else introduced themselves and then filled in the blank with the statement vulnerability is what would you think? So I believe you're already prepared for this situation. So I don't feel like I'm blindsiding you, but I also know you're willing to be vulnerable. So I can totally, hopefully with that, say go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I am actually prepared for that one. Um, I'm Heather Johnson. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Gozinta. Um, Renee Brown is one of my favorite authors. Um, she's always on my desk in various book forms. Um, vulnerability is essential um, in, in leadership. You know, when, when, we, when we start anything, we want to be perfect. Um, I am always at fault for that. I want to be perfect and I don't want anyone to see any fault, but you can't lead like that. You, you have to show that you are a human being that 
that you make mistakes, that you don't have a perfect past. I mean, I struggled for a long time thinking I could be a business owner because I wasn't proud of so many things that I had in my past. Nothing major, but they just felt like they were defining me and holding me back. But showing those and being vulnerable and saying, hey, I powered through this and I'm a strong business owner. Um, that's that's where you can get people to be behind you because everybody has a past. Everybody has vulnerability. It's what we do with that and what we learn from that that makes us strong, amazing people that we, we want to be around. Excellent. Solid entrance into the call. <laughs> um, so I have some questions I want to ask folks um, because, boy, I so I always, as I'm reading the book, I've talked about this before, I walk in the neighborhood and I read, and then I take notes on an index card or in the book. And this is, these are just like page numbers and one or two words. And if we talked about all of the pages I wanted to discuss in this book, Ray, it's not going to be the uh, the hour long podcast you were hoping for. But like, I hope everybody's got we can the go cleared for tomorrow. We can go for a couple of days. I'm good with it. <laughs> Perfect. I'll let my sister know I won't be making her birthday. Um, uh, I won't do that. Her name is Karen. I, I will. I will make sure we finish in time. Um, so, first question, uh, and Tim, I'm going to call on you because you sort of uh, implied the answer to this one. Do you have? So, Brene Brown calls it a square squad. If you're a Ted Lasso fan, he called them the Diamond Dogs, which I thought was very funny. I Diamond think he dogs. got it from the same like square squad, diamond dogs, right? So this is a group of people that you trust to give you honest feedback. So Tim, do you wanna talk a little more at what you were saying about vulnerability? Yeah, and so and truth be told, um, I'm kind of rebuilding that circle of trust for my diamond dogs as Ted Oh, I think said. that's super important, yeah. Right. And, you know, obviously, you know, Maureen is part of that. Our family is part of that when and where appropriate. But obviously being able to have outside influence that's not just family. Right. So I used to have a really big community um, then COVID hit and everything, you know, whatever. And so I'm kind of rebuilding that a little bit, you know, trying to put together the right people in my life to speak that truth into my life that I would be willing to hear from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there are plenty of people out in the world that are happy to give you advice, but oh, whether yeah. or not you trust them to accept that yeah. advice and want it from them is a different story. You know, and from a business perspective, like if I were to put my MSP hat on or even client scorecard hat on, like having a group of trusted advisors um, is really important, right? So kind of two different hats here, at least for me, right? One from the business perspective and one from the personal perspective. And those lines are a little blurry and I'm trying to separate them, hence why I'm trying to rebuild like the personal side, right? And so yeah. we have the, we have the business side, we have a trusted advisors that, you know, have the account of battle hitting me with the bat. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I am rebuilding the personal side, you know, COVID kind of blew that all to hell and trying to reestablish relationships after that. It's been a real struggle, honestly. <laughs> So you mentioned the business and personal side, Jim, I'm going to come to you because I know as an Evolve member um, that I think, would you consider your Evolve group or maybe a subset of your Evolve group part of your square squad? Or do you have a different set, multiple, multiple square squads? 
It's interesting you say that. I would probably say yes. I didn't even think of the Evolve guys. Um, so I, I just had dinner with a couple of my old fraternity brothers uh, last night. And, um, you know, we we're just talking about how fortunate we are to be in our mid 40s and still have a circle of friends that keeps in relatively close touch. Uh, there's there's a book, uh, I forget the name of it, it's about loneliness and men. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we, we really try to strive for is spending quality time with each other. And I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, in terms of like work, I think the leadership team that I have now is exceptional. Uh, so one of the things, like one of the cool things about Evolve, right, is that they they ask you to sort of rank yourself. Like, you know, do you feel like you can give honest feedback? And far and away, that's the highest scoring score that I have pretty consistently across the board. You know, I think I, I really empower everybody that just let me have it uh, because uh, I'm a give and take. And I think the relationships excel when you can be honest. I think that's good. Uh, so I got a little bit of the personal life. And then, you know, I also have a business advisory group, which has been pretty cool. Um, so sort of, you know, it's probably not as um, relationship driven, but uh, they're they're also business owners and their feedback is incredibly candid and uh, definitely uh, done. And then, of course, my Val group. Yeah, I, I absolutely I can't believe I didn't even think of those guys, but th those guys really have become my best friends over these last six or seven years. And uh, I greatly respect their feedback and the partnership and, and being able to open up to them in a way that, you know, a lot of people don't. So it's interesting that you mentioned the fraternity and reading the book about loneliness and men. Um, and I think business owner, I think of Evolve, I always think of Evolve because when I was in the school system, I was the math supervisor. Uh, and so I was not in any line, a chain of command with principals, but the assistant superintendent told me, that sometimes you need to go be the support system for principals because it's very lonely. It's like being a CEO. You can't be, you don't want to go fuss to your superintendent because they're your evaluator and then everyone else works for you. And to your point, it sounds like within your company, right, you can get that honest feedback from others. And so it's less lonely uh, versus like the principal was kind of on their own island. So she said, you need to go and, and help them on their island. So that's interesting that you mentioned the lonely piece. Heather, how about you? I know you do a ton of work in this area. I also know that it is a different time zone. And so you, we only have you for a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, for me, um, I'm really lucky that uh, my husband Brian and I run this company together um, just because we love talking business and we are pretty honest with each other. But I also realized, you know, he, like still would probably like to be able to sleep in bed some nights. So, you know, <laughs> you can't be completely honest all the time. So I realized he probably pads things sometimes. And so I do have people that I can talk to, um, people that I've worked with before that know my style um, that I can say. And I always try to make sure I make it clear. There's times where I need to be pumped up. And, and then there's other times where I'm like, okay, no, this, I need you to tell me, am I like this? Am I coming off wrong? Am I presenting myself in the way that I think I'm presenting myself? Tell me the truth this time, because I can't have that all the time, but I need to have that with somebody when I say, okay, give me the truth that they feel comfortable to. And then being able to absorb it in a way and take that breath and be like, thank you for that. Let me go cry in a corner <laughs> because it's hard. It's hard to hear that kind of stuff, but you do need yeah. it. And yeah. you need it from people that you can trust are not going to just do it to hurt you or make you feel bad, but are really looking out for you. 
So it's interesting you say it that way because your daughter and my children are the same age. Um, and I wonder if I, I think about this a lot, that at what point do your children become old enough, mature enough that you decide, oh, they can be part of my square squad and, squad and give honest feedback? Because believe me, at 14, they're more than happy to give honest feedback. But <laughs> you might not want, want their feedback, be ready to take it or trust in it. Um, and my daughter and I actually discussed that quite a bit of like at what age um, you know, she's always been very perceptive about people. And, uh, and so, you know, at some point I had to say like, Oh, actually my 15 year old does know best. And I'm going to have to take a, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to take a chill pill to, uh, acknowledge that I'm not going to get in a battle with her, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, my daughter's 20, 22. Yeah. 22. I have to, what month is it? Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Yes, her advice can be cutting, but it is very, very true. <laughs> Every you know, parent here um, laughs because we all know the pain. <laughs> I it's feel nice you. She, she works in, in our marketing department. So sometimes yeah. I give her a video. I'm like, I am doing so good. Look at this video. And she's like, my, you're looking to the side the whole time. Could you? Yeah. No, I'm not putting that anywhere. Like, and it's like, oh gosh, I thought I had it that time. <laughs> and please never say this again. It's not cool. Uh, I get that one a lot. <laughs> she just needs to hold well, that, that one. Up. I ignore. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I have recorded multiple videos. Like I had to re-upload a video that I did for MSP Geek where I'm I'm I do an introduction. I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. You know, do a pitch because MSP Geek Con's happening, and then I cut screen and then there's no audio. Uh, <laughs> so when I reviewed the, you know, to make sure it recorded and there was stuff happening in the beginning, you know, it was just me talking. So it was great. You know, there's audio, I heard it, but then as soon as I switched uh, scenes, boom, no audio. And I was like, there goes like 30 minutes. I have to redo. Yeah. But that is why you like take feedback, et cetera. Kyle, I have a question for you. Uh -oh. um, so on page I, I think I wrote page numbers down for this one um, because they talk about compliance, which I think is interesting for uh, M the MSP space to talk about compliance and control when it comes to the humans, not to the technology. So uh, have when the, she asks the question, who is a victim of leading for compliance and control? Again, not based on technology compliance and control. Have you seen that in the space? I think it's part of MSP Geek. You see a lot of other businesses. What's your take on that? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know that I've seen anything specific. Um, vulnerability when it comes to compliance and control is like it, Referring to the like the, the requirements that you have to do as a as an MSP, like you you have to follow specific things. And, and you yeah, say, like around on. compliance and control. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but when you when you think not even just like the control aspect, like as an MSP, you sell time, right? That is what you do. So you have to have uh, a control um, to make sure that the time is recorded, when it's recorded, what type of time you're you're selling and doing all that. So teaching and being vulnerable with why you have to do the controls and why you have to follow those controls and, and the, the overall compliance of, of being an MSP um, doesn't happen, right? 
uh, as a, a leader, uh, you know, in a, in a company of an MSP, you're like, why didn't you track your time? Why do you only have seven hours? Why do you have two hours? Why is why did you spend seven hours on this password reset? Um, and you don't. There's no explanation as to why you do that. You're asking. You're 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 telling them they made a mistake, but you don't. Yeah. They don't understand yeah. why they have why the mistake exists uh, in in the first place. And um, being vulnerable about how the business operates uh, is scares a lot of people. And I don't understand why, because as someone who who enjoys uh, data analytics and you know having that full picture and understanding, you're missing a third of your information to to make decisions based on and it's difficult to to process that when you're having to 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 discipline someone and if they don't if they don't follow the compliance guidelines or don't follow the control guidelines that you have um understanding and being vulnerable with why those exist and being you know re receiving that feedback to why that might be stupid <laughs> as well is is also important um <laughs> Maybe, maybe not using stupid in the conversation. <laughs> I, I, I tell, I, you know, I, I tell in people all the time, hey, this is why we do this specific workflow. If you yeah. think of a better one, if this is stupid for a specific yeah. reason, let me yeah, know. Let I'm me, happy yeah. to discuss why and how to make it better. And maybe there's limitations in the system. Maybe there's limitations in uh, something specific. But yeah, it, it, this might be stupid. And I agree that it's stupid, but it has to happen for this specific reason. Um, yeah, and being vulnerable with the, the understanding is super important and not enough people do that. So and it's interesting you say that. It reminds me of a story that Brene said in the book where her team would come to her with a complaint about why she was saying X, Y, or Z. And in her mind, she had the 10-year strategic plan, the three-year strategic plan, and the one-year. So she knew all of these other things were going to line up and she had never shared that. So it seemed like she was making these mandates for no reason. Um, since we mentioned Evolve, one of the companies that I worked with there, they had me come down and do a keynote for them in their sales kickoff. And part of what they did in their kickoff was, was go through what they call their Kool-Aid talk of why we do what we do. And they told great stories um, from their customer's perspective and why it was important to their customers. And then... They started talking about operational maturity level OML scores and every single person, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it was the lowest ranking person. If you were going to rank the folks in the room asked how to move the needle on the OML level from a 3.8 to a 4.0, what would it take? And at no point had they shared that with the team before because they didn't think that everyone in the organization was going to care about an operational maturity level score but when they realized what the business was doing for their employees and the value they brought the whole team was like i want to know how to move the needle two decimal points like two tenths of a point how, how can, can we I help? how can i help with that and i i mean i watched the the ceo the president um and the cro were in the room and you watched their brains just break a little of like holy cow i had no idea that that they would care so much when we shared that um so sorry i went on that diatribe but i just saw it in action chris um thoughts on that um yeah well that's uh, um to think about the fact that just sharing that information, you know, like uh, that that being uh, clear 
Yeah, which I one of the things I really liked about the the book was mm. that that clear is kind, and yeah. un, unclear is unkind. That really resonated with me. The just being clear and open with everybody and and understanding how that could change the the dynamic and the uh, the um, that a little bit of vulnerability and and insight into what's really happening could could change everybody's understanding of what's happening. That's uh, that's pretty amazing to me. Oh. It is also amazing that a sentence like clear is kind, well, I guess it's two sentences, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. It, it's that weighs on your brain for a bit. And you think about how, what are we going to do with that information? Right. Because I do need to do some things differently with that. Maureen, I wanted to ask you, um, she said, this was around page 144. If anybody's got the book and wants to kind of see what I'm talking about. How does trying to see things from your client's perspective um, help with customer success? So that's a very business related, but it's about perspectives and trying to th see things from other people's perspectives. So thoughts on that? I totally agree with that. I actually uh, think that's kind of uh, my niche in the business is um kind of taking that perspective, which is funny because I'm very much like the business and numbers person, but I'm also a huge believer that that only happens from the customer experience up. So um, I don't know whether, I don't even remember the whole question you just asked, but when you <laughs> asked- How does like, trying to see things from your customer's perspective help with customer success so taking a look at it from their lens i just i think looking at it from their lens is is a win-win like your customer is the center of your business you're not your product isn't um but i think i think your customers and your employees so i think taking their perspective is the right perspective that's who you've built a business for um from the business side and like i said it it it's very much how I am in my personal life and and in the business too. It's like, yeah, the numbers and uh, the spreadsheets and all of that matter. But the bottom line is that the way to be successful and the way to build real relationships is looking at everything from the customer's view. Like, okay, people understand mistakes happen. How would I want somebody to respond to it? How would I want somebody to support me? How would I want? So um, I totally agree with that piece of it. I think we have to be careful too. Um, too much vulnerability can be a problem. Because uh, if you're constantly going to the client being like, look, I'm sorry, this is the situation, mm. this happened. Yeah. It's uh, a vulnerability weakness kind they're, of balance. They're, they're, it becomes, but also, you know, vulnerability being too much affects everything else too. Like if you're too vulnerable with your 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 squared group, your <laughs> square square, uh, square squad, uh, that also like it becomes less of being vulnerable, more of being a burden, and uh, mm. you know, it, it doesn't necessarily translate to vulnerability. It becomes misunderstood. Um, and it, it starts to to develop a cycle of complaining, uh, of sharing right. nothing but faults, and it it I so it, it has to be very careful with how much you you share. And I think discernment really comes in with yeah. that. Yeah. You know, discerning what you're sharing, 
Uh, yeah. I learned that. I learned that lesson early on in life. You know, when I, you know, when Maureen and I first started, whatever, all that stuff. And way back, I had a, a Bible study I used to attend, and you know, it was a bunch of guys. You know, we kind of came came together and you know talked about you know life challenges. And at that time, I was dealing with a lot of life challenges. And you know, after a couple of weeks, not only did I start to feel like I was the one complaining all the time, but then I started hearing from the other guys in the, in the men's group, like, this is not the Tim show. <laughs> and so I had to like quickly learn, like, even though I had my diamond dogs, right, my four square, like I was saying, I had my group and my peeps, I had to make sure like not only was everybody getting equal volley time, but and it wasn't all about me. Right. So I had to kind of like regroup and rethink about what is appropriate to share across the audience, across who I'm talking with and who I'm connecting with and how vulnerable am I to be able to share that kind of stuff. And lastly, like leave space for others. Right. Especially if you're meeting with a group of people, whether it's uh, evolved peer groups, like Jim was saying, like make sure you leave room for others, right? It can't just be the Team Tim show. And I'm still learning that, right? You know, we're doing this thing and then, you know, we're, we've been talking about it. And I'm like, I talk too much. I need to shut up and leave room for other people, you know? And Which is not it's easy. an on, ongoing lesson daily for me. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Jim. Uh, I think Brene Brown does a great job. I think she's got inside the book. She talks about that executive that's telling the uh, private equity guys about how he's afraid and he's not he's not sure he can execute. And she's like, that's the last thing you want to tell your investor group. Right? So, you know, there, there's a way that you you can structure this discussion. That discernment. Exactly. The discernment's an excellent, excellent way to describe it. Uh, and uh, I think Bre uh, Brene does a, an excellent job of like diving into that sort of how much is too much in, in a very yeah. practical method. Yeah. Yeah, I um. So I have another question that brings me back to my education days. Uh, I remember one day the assistant superintendent stood up and said, because people were starting to complain about, well, the kids can't do this, so the parents do this, yada yada, and she said, uh, all of the parents are sending their best kids to school. Like they're not leaving the good ones at home, right? You're getting the best that they've got. And on page 215, uh, she asks the question, how does knowing that people are doing their best change your thinking? Heather, thoughts on that? Sure. Um, yeah. You always have to be empathetic of the people that are around you. And um, it's hard because sometimes, you know, as business owners, we, one of the things that Brene Brown says all the time is um, paint done for me. You kind of talked about it before, you know, being very clear, but, you know, painting that whole picture, because if people don't know that they're trying to help you, they're trying to do their best. And if they can't understand what you're wanting, they're not able to make it as far. But I actually had it instance this week, I, I'm good at business. I, I feel like I'm um, I'm pretty capable in, in, in what I do every day. And I feel like, yes, yes, I'm, I'm doing a good job. But then I learned to ski this week. And I did my best on a roller hill. Um, and there were two people with me. 
And, you know, this is like an indoor ski hill and it rolls. And, and so we're all on our skis and I tried to ski already four times. So I thought I was a pro and I did my best and I never was able to do a pizza cutter to go like to stop myself. And I went four <laughs> days this week and I've spent four hours and those other people were like going back and forth. They graduated and they had two ski poles and they were like skiing on the indoor hill. And I was still going back and forth one arm then the other arm and I grabbed the bar again because I was terrified and I did my best and everybody was very very like empathetic of me and they said I did okay and I shouldn't go skiing on March 1st to Austria but but I'm going to anyway because they have a fondue Too much bar French and fry, not enough pizza <laughs> yeah not enough pizza absolutely yes so um but that it makes me think of that you know people are doing their best yeah. And you can't look at them and be like, oh, they're not trying hard enough. That could be them trying hard enough. So giving yeah. them the tools, making sure that it has nothing to do with what you're doing and that you're being clear. I did take my ski class in Dutch, and I don't know if my Dutch may be good enough for when I'm <laughs> on skis on a roller hill. It's very good when I'm sitting here, but not good when I'm actually skiing. So making sure that your your employees and, and whoever you're speaking to is, is really getting the message and that you're being clear in, in your communication. And that when they say, yes, I understand, that they really are understanding so that they can be successful. I think it puts your brain back into a, oh, I need to teach mode instead of criticize mode, right? If they are truly giving their best and there's a misunderstanding somewhere along the way it might be their dutch to english translation it might be you know they didn't they didn't get other another piece of the pie be it pizza or otherwise but what is that that they are missing so i have one more question but i'd like to spend some time on it so on page 242 um she asks do you teach falling so she gives a story about learning to skydive and that the very first lesson in skydiving, you spend time jumping off of chairs and things to learn how to fall, um, not how to jump out of a plane. And so um, I'm curious. So that is all about kind of like sticking the landing, the ending, right? And, and how to protect yourself when you fall. So as we think about for our employees, for our team, et cetera, do we specifically teach what failing or falling looks like and how to recover from that. Does it anybody have, does that bring anything to mind for anyone? So this is ancillarily related, but she, she talks about, uh, she talks about perfectionism and she talks about, you know, uh, she, it's, a, it's a one offhanded comment. I listened to the audio book. I forget what page it's on or whatever, but she's like, does anybody like ever look at the child's quiz and then immediately judge them for getting the two or three answers wrong, right? Like, and jumping onto that piece. And the first thing that resonated with me was like, I absolutely do that. Every time the test comes home, that's the first thing I do, right? And so it, it really did a great job of tying all these pieces together for me anyway. I felt like teaching my kids that it's okay to fail, provided that they gave it their best effort, is a far more valuable lesson than mm -hmm. getting all the answers correct on the quiz, right? And I, and I think that's when she uses the par, you know, the parachute parallel or parable or whatever it is. I, I think, you know, that's ultimately the point she's trying to drive home, right? So how do you create an environment where taking risk is an acceptable part of your day-to-day -day life, right? And I think 
you know, when you combat perfectionism, which I think a lot of CEOs have a tendency to do, right? Um, it's it's a tough thing to teach the people below you that it's okay to take that step and fail and, yeah. and sort of recover from it. And, um, you know, that, that was my interpretation. I, I think she did an excellent job of, of making that point. I think, uh, is it Sarah Blakely from uh, Spanx, who's... Um whose dad every day would say, what did you like? What was a failure you overcame today? Like that was their dinner conversation is it wasn't like, did you get a new Girl Scout badge today? It was, what did you, what did you fail at? So that it was a regular part of their conversation that you just are resilient and kind of learn to do, to learn how to overcome your failures, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. I used to, um, I was a musician. Um, that was my, one of my majors in college was I was a harpist. Um, but in an orchestra, when you're scared about what you're doing, you tend to play softer because you don't want anyone to notice that you're making a mistake. But then the next time, you don't know if you're making a mistake or not, or not so you're still playing soft. The important thing and what I've always told my kids in groups is play loud right away play confidently be confidently wrong so that the conductor can say that's wrong and yes it's embarrassing but then you're not wrong anymore you're not learning it the wrong way you're learning it the right way right from the start yes you have to go through the you know it's that's wrong but with my employees when they show me that they're wrong they don't need to be scared about it it's a teaching moment yeah. you know it's 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 just a moment to learn and i'd rather that sooner and later so i'd much rather it be ni nice and loud let's like let's have a big loud mistake that is so a great analogy yeah i love that <laughs> make yeah. your mistakes loud so we can address <laughs> them absolutely that's yeah fantastic. i really uh i like so much about the the book about you know tying in this all all with vulnerability but um to, to your point about jumping off of chairs and things like that just a lot of it is about creating a safe space for vulnerability to you know mm -hmm. to to know that that it that when you make these mistakes which you will which everyone does then then that it is a learning opportunity like heather said and that it's a um so much of this is about learning and listening and 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 that safe space to to learn from your mis mistakes which you always learn more from your mistakes than your successes so that's one of the things i was at I don't necessarily personally translate vulnerability to having a culture around failure acceptance. Um, that's as a as a leader, as someone who you know has people that look up to them, not necessarily you know direct reports. Creating a foster that mistakes, fostering a, a culture of mistakes are okay. Um, I think is more important specifically than being vulnerable. Um, because you're going to find out the mistake, right? In a business, you're, you're, that, that, that will eventually come up. Uh, either this one specific that you make may be small enough where it'll go under the radar for a specific amount of time, but if they pile up enough, all of them will come to the surface, right? And understanding that it's okay to make mistakes uh, and it's, it, you know, you, you foster, because, you know, I agree with Chris, uh, mistakes are an important learning tool and growing as an individual, growing as a leader, and growing as uh, you know a person, um, I'm going to fail. And building that 
confidence in others that it's okay to fail, uh, I think is not specifically tied to vulnerability. Um, there's obviously aspects of it by being allowing yourself to admit mistakes um, when there isn't a culture of mistakes are okay is definitely putting yourself in a vulnerable position. But as leaders and as managers, um, I think it's so important to to foster because you're, you're the, the mistakes that happen are going to come up. They're going to cost you and you're going to have to go back and fix them, right? If someone comes to me and says, hey, I did this, help me. I'm going to be able to resolve that problem. I'm going to be able to put fixes in that um, that will mitigate the damage from a mistake. Then if I, it comes up six months later and now I have to do all of this triage and troubleshooting and problem solving and uh, apologizing and credit giving and whatever else you may have to do as an individual. Um, I also don't necessarily think, because uh, I talked about fostering vulnerability as in the form of innovation. Um, I think those can also be separated because um, it ties back into making mistakes and failing to, to innovate. Um, but part of innovation is the understanding that failure is going to happen. Um, yeah. It's not necessarily creating a vulnerable, vulnerable space. Like if I'm trying to innovate on something, I'm going like, how many times did it take people to start? Uh, Heather mentioned starting a business. How many times, how many businesses have you started that didn't work out? Um, I mean, Tim has an MSP and a, a, an actual business, right? Um, innovation and, and changing how you do things uh, is inherently going to be more failures than successes. And I think fostering that culture individually from vulnerability is important as well. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know where I heard this. It's a great line. This will be fast. But uh, there was a guy in the 80s or 90s that, that traded a bunch of stock. He lost a ton of money for his organization. It's a real famous case study. Oh, did, you talking about me recently? Yeah, I think it was you. Okay. Yeah, I think Sorry. you uh, shorted NVIDIA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I felt bad for those that did. Oh, I did too. So anyway, uh, so you know, they gave this kid that just came out of Harvard or Princeton or whatever a bunch of access to the trading floor that he really shouldn't have had. And he made this decision because they want that democratized control. And he lost something like $100 million. And they, they were interviewing the CEO. The CEO is like, well, are you going to fire him? He's like, no, I just spent $100 million educating him on yeah. what he will never, ever do again. <laughs> Why would I give this? Why would I fire this kid? I just wasted all this money teaching him something that he'll never be able to learn again. You know. Yeah. I think the 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 thing that really resonates with me is I I, I try to instill this in the, in the culture here. We learn from our failures, not our successes, right? And so it's the failures that are an opportunity to see where you're leaking and where you can where you can have self improvement. It's not it's not getting it right the first time, right? So don't don't beat yourself up. Just get back on the horse, right? The only thing that I'll say to add to that is. When you do fail, be careful of overcorrection. Mm -hmm. um, because there, when a mistake happens, when a problem happens, overcorrecting to make sure that problem doesn't happen again happens so much. And it is so common in process, procedure, business in general that it is, uh, it, you got to be very careful that you're mitigating the individual mistake, not trying to, you know, that you're not overcorrecting and causing additional problems in the future. So that is like somebody in class calls someone else a chicken 
and the teacher makes a policy that you're no longer allowed to say chicken at all ever, or you're going to exactly. get a referral. And then the next unit is the poultry unit. Like yep. it happens <laughs> all of the time. Like, and it is also, I thought a lot about this in the course of reading the book when people don't have the um, the language to have an honest conversation around a mistake, they end up making really dumb policies like the no saying chicken policy, right? Like they send out a company-wide blast to 1500 employees around, you are no longer allowed to take a 32 minute lunch. Like who took the 32 minute lunch that broke something huge that is creating really poor policies because someone doesn't have the the ability to have the courageous conversation. And Heather, I know you do a lot of work around courageous conversations. If you could just have the honest conversation around the mistake that was made and the consequences because of that mistake, it, we could really save the embarrassment for the other 1,499 people that it had nothing to do with. You know, one of the things that I would also suggest too is making sure that you're having that courageous conversation in a timely manner, at least like as a business owner, like I'm yeah. not waiting till their annual review to tell them where they messed up seven months ago. Like you shouldn't, you, know, you should absolutely not be doing that. If anyone yeah. is doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, there should be like, no surprises. Right then and there, you know, we're, you know, as a, as a new business and we're bringing in staff and we're working through and we're building, you know, norming, forming, storming, all that great EOS stuff, right? Really starting to understand like, oh, I messed up and getting that from my co-founder co um, or, you know, some other, some other means, but nip it in the bud in the beginning, right? You know, yeah. open open, honest, transparent. I think I actually wrote in one of the employee contracts that said a bullet that was like open, honest, and brutal conversations as part of their employment agreement, right? You know, to, the, to an, a certain extent, yes. One of the things that we, I don't think we've mentioned about being vulnerable is if you are vulnerable and you, you, do, you, you cannot, by admitting vulnerability and by being comfortable with being vulnerable, there are still consequences to actions. Yeah. And consequences to mistakes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You can't go in and expect if I'm vulnerable that there won't be any consequences. Like, oh, I'm allowed to just make all the mistakes in the world, right? Because uh, I'm allowed to tell Kyle I made them. Great. Right? Uh, yeah, so yeah. you got to be careful. Understanding that as well is super important. Even from the the other side, when you're not when you're accepting the vulnerability, you still have to be able to remove yeah, your. It doesn't eliminate accountability. Correct. Right. It just adds a level of humanness to the conversation. Maybe be a little more timid yeah. with your, you know, punishment or your consequences that it's not, I don't want to say punishments, yeah. consequences. Uh, it's not as brutal uh, to uh, use Tim's word. Yeah, I was like, I think punishment and brutal are maybe two of the things we're trying to avoid in our <laughs> <Strong language. adjectives>. <laughs> <laughs> This is where I'm learning to choose my words appropriately. Yeah, I have the same problem. <laughs> important in that you know having those conversations but being very clear on what you want to see as the next steps it's that the empathy the understanding yeah. yes a mistake was made i've made mistakes too let's see how do i help you not make this mistake again what training do you need how can i better explain this to you and let's you know have a follow-up on this in two weeks so we can see 
instances that you've had this happen again or whatever time period you need, instances where you've had this again, where the things that we've tried have worked, and if they haven't, let's think of something else. So not having it just be, oh, that's it, but instead, here's our plan that we're going to have together to get this resolved. Um, that way, it just doesn't go away, and then you have the mistake come up again, and it's like, oh, I need to write this up, I need to do this again. Just yeah, It also gives you, if, if you have that all in writing and both understand, it does give you a paper trail. And if you aren't having paper trails, get paper trails. You, know, you want to make sure that you have that. You can use there's it for your reviews, too. You don't have to write. You can write it down and bring it up yeah. in your annual reviews. Um, yeah. I, I do a leadership class with my MSP, with those that are inside who are interested in learning about more about leadership and being better leaders. Uh, and this past Wednesday, we had our group and we talked about uh, being overwhelmed um, and dealing with how that feeling and understanding it. And um, that's the first thing I said was the reason why I'm bringing up and talking about overwhelm, because I am personally right now overwhelmed and it's important to deal with this and recognize it, not only in uh, what, you know, the, the work you have to do, but how you interact with people as well, because becoming as an overwhelmed individual, uh, your, your responses become much shorter and quipped. Uh, and it, you know, you, it, it starts becoming like you're aggravated and, you know, irritable and it's not necessarily the case. You're just the, the feeling of it. Uh, and, and it's very important to understand what to be vulnerable about as well. Agreed. The, uh, because I don't want to get kicked out of our uh, kicked out of our stream yard or Zoom or wherever we are. Um, for folks listening, it was Dare to Read by Brene Brown. Again, brave work, tough conversations, whole hearts. Like I said, we could easily continue this conversation until tomorrow, um, but we will not. Uh, so the next book on the list, I'm hoping to get the authors here. So Dave Kava and Sean Walsh from Encore Strategic just wrote The Pumpkin Plan for MSPs based off of Mike Michalowicz's book. Um, so that is going to be on our uh, on our list next. So I hope uh, all can join. Um, and thanks as always to MSP Media Network for having us. And thanks all for joining. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. broadcast of the MSP Media Network.